today's podcast with Spencer Smith, host of Self-Funded Spencer, to reflect on what both Spencer and I have learned from podcasts in 2022 about the self-funded employer market. Spencer Smith, SVP at PlanSight and a fellow podcast host, is passionate about the self-funded space. We thought it would be good to pull our insights on what we have both learned from interviewing amazing people out there in the self-insured employer space and understanding the market as we saw over 2022. Today on our podcast, you will learn what our listeners enjoyed the most in 2022 and what topics they were and why, what to expect in 2023 from our respective podcasts. This program is brought to you by the Healthcare Administrators Association, HCAA. For over 40 years, HCAA has supported third-party administrators and the self-insured employer industry through educational opportunities from leading industry experts. For information on joining HCAA, please visit our website, hcaa.org. I'm your host, and I'm on a mission to bring value to the healthcare industry through improved transparency, and my goal from this podcast is to give you one aha moment that you can implement in your business, whether you're a TPA, broker, or an employer. In my day job, I run a company called Zaki Point Health that helps self-insured employers and their employees provide transparency, direction, and value by delivering a digital front door for the member that proactively steers them to the right places of care. Please like or share this podcast on your favorite podcasting tool so we can bring together a community of like-minded professionals. We are pleased to have our podcast sponsor, Ikagi Growth Partners, a valued sponsor of multiple HCA activities. Ikagai is a growth consulting firm that works with two sister venture funds to find and support the growth of innovative new companies in the areas of healthcare technology and tech-enabled services. If you are part of the self-insurance industry and are looking to innovate, you might benefit from a relationship with Ikigai. Let's dig in with Spencer. Spencer, I'm really excited to have you on our podcast, Voices of Self-Funding. Thank you for doing this as we are focusing on as podcast hosts in this industry on 2022, seeing what we have learned yeah. and actually also reflecting on and predicting what 2023 might look like. I would love to have our listeners hear from you why should they listen to you? Okay, we'll get it out of the way from the start. Well, I appreciate the introduction, Ramesh. Thanks for letting me join you on your podcast. It's always fun to not only get to be on somebody else's podcast, but somebody else that has a podcast about self-funding. We're in this really weird niche with not a lot of competition, <laughs> but it's fun. We've carved out our own little corner of the world. But why should they listen? I really think, just similar to you, I really treat this as a profession. Uh, I've spent a lot of my own time and my own money helping stand up a podcast. I spent two plus years really honing my craft and developing, I guess, the skill set to have a conversation with an expert. And really, my job is to be the person that facilitates a great conversation just like you, let somebody else really lend their expertise, educate the marketplace, and then invite folks in to be a fly on the wall to learn everything about benefits, self-funding, stop-loss, TPAs, tech. PBMs, you name it, everything that sort of exists in this broader ecosystem of healthcare and self-insurance. I just want to shine a light on the industry at large and hopefully raise the tides for everybody. So if, you, if that sounds interesting and you like a decent conversation with some interesting folks, then I would love if you tune in to Self-Funded with Spencer. 
Excellent. Thank you. And I know you've been in the industry, obviously, you've been, as a professional, you've done some programs. Maybe share a little bit more of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So my background is, has been an in insurance in my entire career. Uh, but probably the last 10 years ago, 10 years or so has focused on the self-insurance industry, everything from selling stop loss, wholesaling stop loss, working on the broker side as an analyst, now in the tech space, the insure tech space, working on RFPs. I am a certified uh, self-funded specialist. I don't know if you noticed on the end of my name, there's that CSFS designation, mm -hmm. which you know well, the HCAA. They give that designation. And funny enough, I think I was joking with you off camera. We, I did a video on a whim one day advocating for the certified self-funded specialist and I had a couple of people ask like, what do you think about this? this is interesting? So I made a video weighing the pros and cons and why I did it. I've shared that with a couple of folks and I know they've actually used that as the reason why they signed up and uh, even had, I believe it was played last year at the Las Vegas convention. They oh, played yes. my video. And so I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. They asked if they could share it and I was head over heels to let them do that. No, we love that. We love you for having done that. And it's very thankful for, for you for doing that as well. So That's let's fun. dig into the some meat of the discussion today. And what I thought would be good is since you've been doing this, if you were to look at your 2022, some of the highlights of the podcast, what are some of the big topics that were very interesting to our audience? If you can name them and then we'll dig into them a bit more. So the number one topic I feel like in terms of, not even I feel like, I, I can tell you quantifiably, the most listened to topic I had last year was on captives. So insurance captives. And I had one episode in particular with a Stephanie Manning, who's with ICS, their innovative captive strategies. And I think her episode got almost like 60% more views than the average episode. So some of that's down to her. She was brilliant, very succinct in her answers, very likable, tells a great story. But she broke down captives very well in a simplified manner. And I think just the timing of the year, the subject matter itself, it really resonated with a lot of people. So that was the clear standout outlier. Oddly enough, though, I covered a sales miniseries last year where I focused on sales within the benefits industry, but really not much about particular benefits. So there wasn't a barrier to entry for folks that were outside of our industry to listen but that three-part miniseries did really well. And I think it's just because I talked to some very bright people and they just shared what works for them, kind of their process, their, their background, their experience. And for the folks that are in a production role like myself, it seemed to hit home for a lot of folks. Got some good stuff from that. Got some really good feedbacks. And then like you, I'm covering all the technical stuff, which I have discovered though, the more technical the subject matter, the more listeners, which seems counterintuitive, but I think it's because most of my audience is insurance brokers, probably like yours, and they want technical stuff. They want to be educated. They don't necessarily just want to hear good stories from entrepreneurs. And even though I cover that stuff and it does okay, the stuff that's hyper-technical in a specific subject matter seems to do the best. That's great. No, I think from my side, what I've kind of seen is things like we had some sessions on price transparency was big yes. last year. There's a lot of talk about that. So how do you educate members about price transparency? I had uh, people like uh, Marshall Allen that was big. Yes. We also talked a lot about the one that worked quite well was uh, the whole direct primary care. There's a lot of interest and we can maybe dig deeper into that as well. If you had come across more of that, it was actually with an amazing speaker, Dr. Marty Macri and well-known industry figure. So that was a very exciting. Exciting. And then we also had, a, similar to you, a session on how to engage brokers from a TPL lens to engage broker community. That did quite well. And there were some good nuggets on how to get your message just kind of right for the broker community. And then another session that did well was just cost containment more broadly. But what are some of the strategies and approaches people are taking for cost containment? So similar to you, those technical sessions have done quite well. 
I thought it'd be good for us to maybe reflect on and dive deeper into one or two of those sessions that I've done well and what did you learn from it? You mentioned captives. You're pretty close to it. You understand that space. Sure. Maybe what are some of the insights that came out from that session that we should share? Well, I think the most obvious insight for that particular episode, and I do have True Captive sponsors my podcast, so I've covered captives a number of times. I think that was probably the third or fourth time I've covered that subject matter. But I think what I learned from that is the simplest way to describe a captive is the best way to describe a captive. Sometimes we get really in the weeds on risk layers and sort of proving how much we know our subject matter. But Stephanie came on and she certainly has, she certainly understands the subject matter, but she understands it to such a degree that she was able to communicate it in a very simple way. Just talking about my risk layer and your risk layer and shared risk layers. It was done brilliantly. I actually cut that up into a clip and that was a great lead generation or a marketing engine for the episode. So that was something for me that I took home. It's like, hey, if you really have mastered a subject matter, then you can communicate it very simply to somebody that doesn't even understand what you're talking about. That's true mastery of subject matter. And I think that was something that I took away from last year. We've had a lot of changes on my podcast. I think last year I move studios. We played around with a new setup, working, just trying to make it more efficient and things like that. So the other thing that I learned is just really how to operate a business and mm -hmm. learn how to efficiently do so. So it doesn't take too much of my time away from my day job and my responsibilities to my employer. So just taking a step up in professionalism was something I had to really focus on in 2022. Yeah, there's plenty there. I'm sure we can exchange notes on that. Oh yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> I need best practices. Yeah. When we did a session on price transparency, I think the big takeaway for me was while it's a big topic, it's really a big ask, big lift for TPAs and brokers and even employers. But having the simplicity of the message to the member population and ensuring that you're promoting it, ensuring that you're actually helping the member fight on their behalf and using all of this price transparency data, it's going to be first of all critical. Mm -hmm. And Secondly, it's, it's actually going to be a, a big tall order as well, because while building the tools and having it up there might be easy, how do you get the members to access this in a meaningful manner is going to take another level of innovation. And I know you mentioned the episode I released today with Handle Health, and that's exactly what we were covering. I didn't realize the magnitude of the data sets that they're managing. He mentioned something about a thousand terabytes of data and trillions of lines of actual claims data to parse and just... To turn that in, like you just said, from something like that, to digest it, normalize it, and then make it customer-facing where somebody that interfaces with the healthcare system once or twice a year could shop for, I need an x-ray, or shop for, I need a, a CT scan, and do it in a way that's very intuitive and very simple. That is, like you said, that's, the, that's probably the trillion-dollar question, is how to actually turn that into something that's very simple to use. I know Handle's working on it, and a number of folks are. But I'm curious to see, I think price shopping, as we look to the future and we'll go in deeper, I think price shopping tools are going to be a very hot topic in the next couple of years. So let's maybe use that as we are on this topic. What are your insights or predictions, price shopping tools or use of price transparency? Where are you seeing this happen in 2023? Yeah, I think it's going to gain steam. We both covered the Consolidated Appropriations Act last year, and that was Again, not necessarily the most widely viewed, although it was well listened to. It was definitely one that uh, I got a lot of positive feedback of 
hey, this is an important conversation. Thank you for doing it. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see, one, you've got the, the force mechanism. Hey, employers need to be a compliant and they need to be moving in the direction of compliance with these transparency laws. Then it's like, okay, well, the, also there has to be a shopping tool in place to make it simple. And we're in this gray area of government regulating, obviously innovation happening right now, but there's not a singular solution that's out there that's a foolproof solution that I've seen that's ready to go and is fully, fully baked, right? So I think a lot of this is going to be a lot of trial and error, a lot of fits and starts, but I think the industry is ready for it. I think employers are craving it. Members are absolutely salivating over the fact of being able to shop for healthcare in a very normal way like we do for everything. So anytime there's that sort of groundswell of an impetus to do something like that, innovation happens. We're going to solve it. I don't have the crystal ball though. I wish I did, but I think we're going to hear a lot of noise around that, but we're going to see a lot of yeah. uh, opportunity for new businesses to emerge as well. Any kind of advice for broker TPA community as they look at this in the next 12 months for the price transparency or tools? And I think if you listen to the guys that are on the show, and I would tend to believe them that this may be one of the biggest opportunities since the ACA for consultants, especially to build practices around or grow their practices, lead with compliance, as boring as it may seem in the normal circumstances, lead with compliance. You're going to pick up new business. You're going to retain business because you're having those conversations because you're protecting that employer and you're protecting them as a fiduciary and you're making sure that they are compliant. So I would say I would look at it as a new consultant, maybe that's trying to grow my practice or looking to lean into a certain niche, just lead with compliance and start having that conversations, be the go-to expert on the CAA yeah. and you will have a thriving business. Yeah, no, I think it's an important area, as you said, to get that lift up and get things going. What um, do you think? First of all, there'll be a lot of innovation. There's a lot of work that's gone into it and it's happening. There are, there are vendors out there, companies like my company as well, have a cost estimator tool that we've mm -hmm. launched with a number of TPAs. And there are many others who are doing it as well. I think the challenge is going to be more around how do you get members to actually use it? I do certainly see just putting it up there behind some sort of a login and not promoting it well through the employers and the HR teams. It's not going to get the, the use. The other big area I believe is if you don't put this in the hands of care navigators or advocacy teams or even customer support teams who can actually help the member in a meaningful manner. So if you don't do that, then again, you're not actually getting this in front of the members. I would really encourage in the kind of industry to actually try to bring this more to the forefront, make it more easier for the members to use access and maybe even incentivize where relevant, whether that's through plan design or usage. Uh, well, so I would say your, the, incentive, the incentive is certainly key. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of plan design structures that incentivize members towards certain good choices, right? Whether there are better outcomes, lower cost, or both, incentivizing them through zero out-of-pocket costs to themselves. I think that you're right. I think that could apply in a situation like this and send them to, to use those tools. But I, I think your hypothesis is also correct that it's probably not anywhere near the point where you can just hand it off to the layperson that doesn't interact with the healthcare system today and say, go shop. You probably will have to have at least a service mechanism or some staff to coach through that process and be an advocate. I imagine that will be, we'll see probably a lot of that propping up here in the next couple of years, just to guide somebody through what we know is a very complex system. I think the notion of handing it off to somebody and saying, good luck, we're probably very, very far away from that.
And maybe related to that topic, would love to hear direct primary care or yes. these care navigation. What was your kind of learning from 2022, where things have kind of reached and what are you seeing in 2023 happening or likely to happen? So direct primary care, I will say on a personal basis is probably one of my favorite things to talk about, because I think you would probably tend to agree. It becomes a no brainer. If you have the infrastructure in place, if there's the appetite, if there's a population that can support at least a brick and mortar version of that, the idea of capitating that and putting it over in its own bucket, turning it into a fixed cost and basically have a gatekeeping mechanism for the entire health plan on the front end. I think is one of the smartest things any self-funded employer can do. Again, if the circumstances support being able to mm. do that. So to answer your follow-up question, I just released an episode, I think two or three weeks ago with, and this isn't a commercial for healthcare to you, but healthcare to you is the entity that came on the CEO, Andy Bonner. And they mm -hmm. have set up a model that allows for more of a hybrid approach to scale across the country where primary care physicians can dip their toe in the waters and see certain percentage of their population under the DPC model, but still operate in a fee-for-service model as well. Because it's not always as easy as we might think to say, hey, I'm shutting down fee-for-service and I'm going direct primary care tomorrow. Like you may be in a rural area where there's no way you can do that, or you may have too many people coming through your door from too many different places where you can't turn it into a cohesive business like that. So that will be the interesting thing to play out is, it's not exactly pure DPC, but it does solve for some of the problems that DPC has when you have to have that geographic concentration in the truest or brick and mortar model. So I love it. Honestly, I could cover DPC all the time. I think people would get bored, but it's one of those things that I think you, if you can put in motion, will have an absolute mental positive impact on your outcomes. The other thing that I get really excited as well is as you put these direct primary care programs or contracts in place, the price transparency data can also be a very helpful support for the DPC offices and sites and mm -hmm. clinics because they can act as the almost the navigators, concierge, things. So I think many other things that can support the whole DPC performance could be key to making this an impactful investment. Well, I would like to see us get back to the idea of primary care being about the actual care itself, right? Like to get away from this yeah. assembly line model where you're running people through to hit sort of time increments and make whatever amount of money you need to make that day based on just churning population through. If we can get back to a model that's more about the care of the member, the time spent with the member and truly engaging them through a relationship about their personal story and their healthcare journey, not just pumping them up through a system as a way to make money. I think we'll get back to probably what I would see as a more honest model of care. And I think DPC is one way to do that. I like your idea though, empowering these DPC practitioners with a nice shopping tools and with insights to help actually make recommendations when needed outside their four walls. I think that's a really, really nice combo. We're even bringing all the data together so that they can really focus on the right chronic conditions or right kind of you know members who have gaps in care and bring them into the offices and kind of really take care of it. So really ensuring the high risk population is being engaged well here. So I think it'll be pretty important to bring all of those tools and data to that DPC office. In fact, one of the episodes on the Voice of Self-Funding episode number 14 that I did with Dr. Marty Macri does talk a lot about this trends. And so for the listeners, you should definitely try to re-listen that if you haven't already done it. He's on my short list. I saw him uh, talk last year at the U Powered Symposium and I was blown away. I mean, one of the best keynote speakers I've seen. And so kudos to you for having him on. He's definitely one of my short list of dream, dream guests to have. 
Well, I was lucky to have him. I was very excited and lucky to have him. Kind of related to, as we think about whether it's price transparency trend, whether it's DPC trend, how does it all feed into reducing costs and how do you pass that cost savings to the employer? One of the areas that I heard a lot in 2022 is the whole stop loss. For example, stop loss premiums. If you are using care navigation, if you are doing some kind of more proactive stuff, if you are using some kind of case clinical kind of management, could you get stop loss premiums being reduced. There was a lot of talk of that. It was very hard for TPAs, brokers to measure the impact of that to all the stop loss carriers to actually figure out how much of a premium discount can you give. I don't know what you have kind of heard along those lines in 2022 or what are you seeing in 2023? What do you anticipate happening? Share some more. With DPC and stop loss in particular? Well, more just overall stop loss premiums. And if you are doing these programs, cost containment programs, if you are putting DPC, you're putting cost containment, you're putting some clinical program or whatever else, how does that feed into reducing your costs? And yeah, I, so I think there's a couple ways to look at it. One, obviously, if you can quantify it to a stop loss carrier and they provide reduced rates and factors for that. You've at least proven the concept, right? Because they'll give you lower premium and take the risk at a lower threshold. That's step one. But I think that's smaller fry versus, hey, what is this actually doing to the outcomes of my overall health plan? Because I think often we get a very fixated on the stop loss premiums hmm. and pay attention more to those than the function of our entire plan. So if we're controlling costs through TPC or to care navigation, to patient advocacy, the proof is going to be in a couple years of outcomes and not necessarily whether the stop loss rates went down as a result. I think naturally they will as a function of better claims control, but I think I would focus on what did we do to control claims and what does our overall budget look like year after year and not just this small portion that's necessarily the stop loss premium. Because really with stop loss, you know, there's a lot of great carriers out there. If you are controlling your costs, and let's say they go down 20% or 30% lower than expected, and you do that a year or two in a row, I guarantee you'll find a stop loss carrier that's willing to give you a better price point than you have in force today. So I really think that's the tail that wags the dog. Let's focus on the claims control, and then the stop loss will follow suit. That makes sense. Thank you for kind of pressing on this. There was a lot of talk. I was hearing certainly the chat at various events, industry events. So it's good to kind of really focus. The North Star is get your claims costs down. Yes. Uh, other things yeah. will happen and there will be like little bits of adjustments here and there. So that's great. Looking ahead, one of the other big topics I see for 2023, and I did an interview with Joe Hodges on member engagement and how do you unify that member experience topic I'm very passionate about. Mm -hmm. I don't know, what have you kind of heard and seen from your speakers or the trends and what are you seeing in 2023? Well, so I think along those lines, and it actually is my upcoming episode next week, MedZoom. I had a gentleman on from MedZoom talking about that very subject. I think what I see is the biggest problem is you have this fragmentation, right? Of all these different solutions. I'm in the point solution space. You have just a lot of noise around, hey, we can do this well, and we can do this well. And these consultants are sort of inundated with parsing validating, vetting, if you will, constant inflows of solution providers. So I think anything like a MedZoom or similar that's going to take your different point solutions that you've bolted onto the TPA and you bolted onto the PBM that can turn it into a member-facing portal and make it simple for them to make sense of it all, mm -hmm. that's going to be, I think, really big in the next couple of years because 
you have all these new health plans popping up. You have all these new PBMs and, and then PBM bolt-ons and TPAs and insure tech. And my God, it's overwhelming. And so the really what we've lost is what does it look like for that member, like you said, to actually interact with all of these solutions we have. And if it's just a bunch of pieces thrown together and there's no coordination across those pieces, then your plan is going to fail. And so I'm with you there. I think we just need to focus very, very squarely on the member experience and empower them to make better decisions by having good tools. And I guess what you're saying is with all those solutions, how do you unify or create that one-click experience or the digital kind of front door? Well, and even knowing what you have on your plan, right? I mean, if you don't pay attention at open enrollment and that's the only time it's ever communicated to you what new solutions are in place, you may be unaware that you have virtual primary care. You may be unaware that you have virtual urgent care. You may be unaware there's even an app that you can put on your phone to help you shop for these things. I mean, really it comes down to the communication as well. If you don't do a good job of dripping that stuff out and kind of staying on top, whether it's push and or pull, pulling your members into that experience, I think you're going to waste a lot of money because they're not actually going to use the tools that you've given them. Any particular episodes of yours that you would recommend to our listeners? they should keep in mind or should uh, go back to any other topics that you'd love to share with our audience here? Well, uh, there was one that I found that was really interesting to me. A gentleman was on from a PBM wholesaler. They do like contract analysis for PBM. But the interesting thing about him is he personally is a hemophiliac. Uh, and so we got to talk to him about understanding how much it costs his employer every year, how much his drugs obviously cost for him to maintain. And Looking at it through that lens, but also understanding, hey, my job is to be a salesperson for this PBM. They're going to do everything they can to empower me to go get the best uh, possible pricing and things like that. But I've never, one, gotten to talk to somebody because that is the golden example of a laser, right? If you've got a hemophiliac on your plan, you know, that's a golden example. Hey, look out for this. I got to actually talk to a person that has that life experience, but two, works for a PBM, which is almost serendipitous that that's the industry he found himself in. And so I thought that was just a really good story. It was insightful as well from the perspective of PBMs, but just very good human interest piece as well. That episode, I'll have to go back and look at the number. It's with good root. And I want to say it's probably about 10 episodes ago. So probably about episode 70 something, if I had to guess. Shame on me for not having the number pulled up. Uh, right. That's good. That's great. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners can uh, go through and search for it. That's great. Anything else that you'd love to share from your episodes? We mentioned earlier that the CAA, I did a two-part episode on not only Consolidated Appropriations Act, as well as data analytics. Now that you have the data, what to do with it. And so I did a nice little one-two punch where we spent an hour on each subject, but it was a cohesive conversation. We had a two-person set up, so actually had three people total with two guests, which is obviously challenging from an execution standpoint. So that was one I'm pretty proud of that we put together. Wonderful. And looking ahead, any kind of areas, topic that you're covering that our listeners should dig more into, try to understand because it can have an impact on their business. Yeah, I mean, I think the episode that I just talked about with MedZoom, I think is going to be very interesting. I'm anxious to see the response there. But one of the things that I like to do is continually have the broker's voice. One thing that I think we get lost in is the fact that Somebody actually has to be the consultant or the conduit on behalf of these employers and put their name and reputations on the line to make those recommendations. So very regularly, probably every six or eight episodes, I have a consultant on because I want to hear from them. I want to hear what they're actually seeing, 
because they're the ones tasked with putting these things into motion and they have the responsibility to ensure good outcomes. And so that's what I would say I'm going to continue to focus on. I have a very big plan for episode 100 coming up. I don't want to share too much detail, but I want to go big, pretty big on that. And we're going to do something we've never done there before. And that will be a broker focused episode as well. So that's really what I'm looking for. The next, I think three out of like eight I'm releasing are going to be the consultant's voice. And I want to make sure they still continually have a voice on my podcast. One of the big things I'm also seeing is how do TPAs market themselves? How do they differentiate? How do they get their story in front of the broker? And hence, how do they get the attention of the broker and get their kind of solution in front of the employer? I think that's going to be where the battle is going to be won or lost. And I think it's going to be important for industry to have that story pretty clear and pithy in terms of just get the real value proposition in front of the broker partner. Yeah. And I think understand that you only have so much time with them. Talk to some of my broker buddies and they'll say, Hey, I get 10 to 12 inbound inquiries a day of somebody trying to sell me something. Right. So if you are good, obviously you got to be good at getting their attention. And two, you better keep their attention and very succinctly deliver your value proposition because it's all coming in one ear and out the other, because they have so many other things to do. That really is the rub as a solution seller is knowing how to just be succinct to the point and grab attention. And so anybody that's listening to this, that is in our space, right? That is selling solutions. I really focus in on honing your process this year and just get straight to the point and make sure that you understand your brokers only have a limited time to listen. Well, thank you very much, uh, Spencer, for taking the time. This has been a truly insightful and exciting kind of learning for me as well. And I hope for our listeners as well. I look forward you, to having you back again, maybe at the end of this year. Yeah, I would love to. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be on your show and congrats to all your success, man. It's really, I think, Having multiple voices out there doing good work benefits everybody, man. So keep it up. Same here. Same here. I'm inspired by your work as well. Thank you, sir. All the best. Bye. And I would like to thank Ikigai Growth, our sponsor of this show. Please join us again for another podcast in the series brought to you by HCA's Voices of Self-Funding. Please like and share so we can build a community of like-minded people and tell us about topics that we should be bringing to you next. Please watch your email for updates on upcoming guests. I'm your host Ramesh Kumar of Zaki Point Health.